Thank you, Neil. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Make sure you smile and keep saying it until they smile. Smiling will not break your face. It's good. Very good. You know, some of us, uh, some of you pray in tongues. Some of you write in tongues. And our staff is going, I have no idea what that is. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a several week break from the book of Revelation to talk about things that will be a blessing. Hold your Bible up. You got your Bible with you? Let's see it. Excellent, excellent. Now I'm reading out of English Standard Version. I like doing different versions. I usually read through a different version every year. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, how many remember when you were a pagan? When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, verse number four, I want you to see the number of times the word variety is used. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each, everyone say to each, is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Verse eight. For no one is given, for to one who is given through the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, variety of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, verse 11, is very important. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions or distributes to each one individually as he wills. Now, as you take notes, I want to share five things about the first five verses here. One is God does want us to be informed about his gifts. Would that be a yes or no? I don't want you to be uninformed. If you've been given a gift, he wants you to use it. And it's sad that much of the American church, like the church I grew up in, we never heard anything about this. And that is much of the church. And I think it means we're missing what he's got for us. Also, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do far more for people that are hurting than we could ever possibly believe. Just if the church, that you and me, would utilize the tools that he has given us. Point number two. Apparently the Holy Spirit really likes Diversity and he likes variety. How do we know that? Because he says that three times in just a couple of sentences. 
varieties of gifts, which means it's very different. Varieties of ministries, different places, different times, and then varieties of effects. It looks differently, different places, and at different times. He likes variety. Now here's an example. You see that verse up there, Acts chapter 19, verse 12. It is a most unusual verse. It's the only place in the scripture where you see it. And it's where in some of these cities where Paul was. I don't know if he did it more than once. I don't remember if it was Corinth or Philippi or Ephesus. But there were, the Spirit of God was moving so powerfully. And so many people were coming to Christ. And miracles were happening. Paul, who was kind of a one-man band, couldn't get around everybody. And so they started doing some unusual things. They would bring pieces of cloth to him. And he would pray over them for like a dying child or a father that was very ill or a mother in childbirth. And the amazing thing is when that prayer from that cloth came to that child, many times that child got well. Now that is most extraordinary. That's what we call varieties. Now I've never had that happen. And sometimes you see on TV, different ministers say things like, send me $250 and I'll pray over a cloth and I'll send it to you. I think what happens is sometimes people take things from the Bible and they copy it without the Holy Spirit's grace behind it. But the point is, he can do whatever he wants. And he's going to do it different ways, different times for different people. There was only people say, if you had a burning bush experience, I go, well, I know what that means, but there's only one, one burning bush in the entire Bible. But he encounters people a lot of different ways. Point number three, these gifts we're going to talk about are for not just a select group or a certain church or a certain denomination. They are for all people. The scripture says to each one, and the Holy Spirit brings him for the common good. Everyone say common good, which means it's not for us. If you receive a gift, it's not for you. It's to help somebody. It's for other people. It's to bless other people. Point number four. This is very clear. The Holy Spirit is the one that decides how his gifts are distributed. No one person has all of the gifts. Now, a person can have them manifested at different times. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit distributes them according to his will. Now, this there's going to be a number of things not in your notes, but here's something I want to throw out. I believe you can pray for particular gifts. How many have ever prayed for a particular spiritual gifts? Hold your hand up. That's a good thing. I'll give you an example. Within uh, the first couple years of my conversion, I prayed for two gifts on a consistent basis the first two years of my salvation. One, I asked that the Holy Spirit would give me a grace to teach the Bible. And my reasoning was, I said, Lord, 
because my spiritual dad, he was, he was like eight years older than me. He was only 26, but I went with him as he spoke in coffee houses, youth groups, football teams. He was a former football player. I had never seen anybody open the Bible and make it come alive. And he seemingly could do that anywhere. And I'd never seen that before. The Bible was a dead book to me. That's how my family and my church felt about it. And I just said, Lord, if you could give me a grace to teach the scriptures because the people I know are dying for your word. And so for the last 48 or 49 years, I've probably averaged teaching the scriptures to somebody five times a week for 49 years. Now, Here's the other thing I prayed for. Lord, make me a soul winner. I'm so grateful for my salvation. My life's completely changed. My family's completely changed. Lord, make me a soul winner. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want to be afraid. I want to have some skills. I want to see people receive the grace you've given me. And I believe he gave it. He answered both of those prayers. I prayed over two years. Here's something I want you to write in your margin. You can pray for particular gifts. But you have to cultivate them when they arrive. Just because you ask for the Lord to give you a gift for teaching the scriptures, you got to start teaching the scriptures to somebody. And I've done it with little bitty groups, big groups, all kind of groups for a long time. People that nobody else would work with, I said, I'll work with them. You have to cultivate it. If you're going to be a soul winner, if you're going to be pretty good at it, you have to do it. And you have to learn from your mistakes. And you have to do it consistently. And a grace will come as you're willing to extend yourself. It's the same way we're praying for the sick. It's the same way with words of knowledge. Just because you ask and they show up occasionally, you don't just stop. You have to cultivate the gifts the Lord gives you. Someone say amen. Now, some balance here. We have no reason to be be proud about our service to the Lord. His gifts are not trophies that we put on a wall. They're not medallions. It don't give you a place to park your car with a big title. You don't need to get a title from the Bible and put it on a business card and say, now I'm this or I'm that. You don't really need titles. They're not trophies. Here's what the gifts of the Spirit are. They're simply tools. Tools that you use to help people. Point number five. These may not be permanent gifts given for any one particular person. You may operate in one gift one month. The next month, in a particular situation, you are given another gift. That's my thought. That way, you're not just one thing. God can use you any way he decides to use you. This is not in your notes, but it's what I'm thinking. 
I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us far more than we realize. He speaks every single day to us. That's why your little pastor keeps paper and pen in his pocket all the time. I feel like he shows me stuff every single day. You think it's the devil, or you think it's yourself, or you think it's your grandmother speaking to you, or you think it's just any number of things. The Holy Spirit speaks to his sons and daughters. You have to learn to hear his voice. Next, his gifts are available, and they're all around us. But if you've never been taught, if you've never read, if you've never tried, if you've never been around people that are using these gifts, odds are you'll never use the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. When the Holy Spirit does use you, don't take credit for it. Your part was showing up and opening your mouth. Also, don't get puffed up. It's a big, it's a big temptation. There's no need for any of us to get proud because God did something wonderful because it wasn't you, it was him. And since it was him, uh, don't take credit for it. The Holy Spirit we studied last week always glorifies Jesus. And if he glorifies Jesus, we should glorify Jesus. Someone say a Man, now let's look at the nine gifts. I already know we can cover probably six today. We won't get to the last three, which is okay. We'll come back to them. Now, the nine gifts, you can almost put them in three categories, three kinds. The first one is revelation gifts. Everyone say revelation gifts. You know why they're called revelation gifts? Because they reveal something. They reveal something. The first one is the word of knowledge. Everyone say word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? Word of knowledge is the Holy Spirit gave you information. It may have just been a fragment. It may have been a picture. It may have been a nudge. It may have been a prompt about a person or about a situation. And you had no ability to get that information. It was beyond you. You had no way of knowing. This is not by observing. But it was needed for the moment. Sometime in the past, I was... A man that I love named Scott gave his heart to the Lord. And Scott and I were buddies and he just was a real spark of life. And we were very, very close and he wanted to meet with me. And we sat in my office and we talked. And when he sat down there, he was so broken hearted. And my friend Scott went on and on and on and on and on and on. It was just like this. I was tired. I found myself slinking into my seat. I was hoping I wouldn't just fall out of the chair unconscious. And after about 30 minutes of Scott going on and on and on in all kind of circles, it finally dawned on me, maybe I should ask the Holy Spirit. So quietly, I said, Holy Spirit, 
what is this about? What is Scott struggling with? And within a flash, I got this nudge. Ask Scott about pornography. So I said, Scott, are you struggling with pornography? He looked like he had swallowed a whale. And he leaned over on his elbows and said, how did you know? He said, I was too embarrassed to tell you what the issue was. I said, well, I didn't know. But the one that loves you knew. And we got Scott on a good path. And he started serving the Lord and he got free of that stuff. Okay, are you with me? That's what a word of knowledge is. Now, you can turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. I want to show you something pretty cool. 1 Samuel chapter 9. The Holy Spirit works in all the books of the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 9. This is before there's a king in Israel. Verse number 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow, when? Tomorrow, about this time of day, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin. You shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. And he shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have seen my people because their cry has come up to me. So the day before this happened, the Holy Spirit prepared Samuel and he will prepare you. The more you are in prayer, the more you are in the word, the more preparation you will get for the things to come. And in verse 17, when Samuel caught sight of Saul coming, the Lord confirmed what he said the day before and said, this is the man that I spoke to you about and he will govern and lead my people. What is that? That is a word of knowledge. Now, here's a great tip, and I violate this principle a lot, but this will help you. When you are praying for sick people, when you're praying for any person's need, it's pretty wise to pause before you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to pray first. And then be quiet before the Lord so he can show you. Second gift, revelation gift, is called a word of wisdom. Everyone say word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? It often goes side by side with the word of knowledge. The gift of word of wisdom shows you how to apply what the Spirit already showed you. John chapter 4, verse 15 through 19, Jesus is in Samaria, which is a place no Jew goes because the Father, the Spirit, told him to go there. Jesus didn't do anything unless the Father told him to do that. 
So he's at this well in the heat of the day, and this woman comes up to draw water. He starts a conversation. How does he start the conversation? The Holy Spirit told him how to start the conversation. Ask her for a drink of water. So it starts into this dialogue. How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? But she said, you don't even have a bucket to, to draw up water. And he said, well, if you knew what I'm talking about, I'm talking about water that quenches all thirst forever. She said, well, I want that water. And then the word of wisdom kicks in. It's already been going. And Jesus said, go call your husband. And she said, husband? I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. Actually, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. That one statement completely opened her heart to receive what Jesus had for her. Now, this is important. I want to make it clear. A lot of times people read the Gospels and go, Jesus did all these miracles because he was God in the flesh. He was God in the flesh, but Philippians says he emptied himself. He left his gifts, his power in heaven. He operated under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do, 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 do. So Jesus revealed this not to embarrass, demean, or condemn this woman, but he did it to help her. He went right to the root of her pain and insecurity and then to use her to reach her city. She ran back into Samaria. And said, I believe I have met the Messiah. Could this be the Christ? And lots of people came out. And Jesus ministered to them for two days. All because of a question he asked this precious woman. Years ago, if you see a map, I was invited to go on a short-term mission trip to a place called Tuva. It's a place I'd never heard of. It was right above Mongolia. It was part of the old Soviet Union. Soviet Union had crumbled. There was one young American Assembly of God missionary there. God's Spirit was moving powerfully. Hundreds of Buddhists were coming to Christ. I spoke in a little tiny house that had 300 young people standing like this to hear the gospel. Little tiny house. We saw wonderful things happen. This poor missionary was just, his tongue was hanging out. He was working so hard. It was like the book of Acts. Well, these are precious, precious people, the people of Tuva. And uh, one, one afternoon, late afternoon, we drove way out, way out to share the gospel in a small village. And we did that. And people came to Christ our Tuvan driver, and we were in Japanese, a little Japanese minibus. Has anybody ever been in a Japanese minivan? Is it as an experience? And so we were in this minivan, 
And our Tuvan driver said, we got to get back. Uh, it's going to, sun will go down and soon. Temperatures are going to plummet. We do not need to be out here. And so we, we get about an hour on our way back to where we were staying. And the minivan died. And the ice was about 10 inches thick on top of the road. He was going 60 miles an hour on solid ice. I, I repented many, many moments of any sin I could think of. And then it died. He opened the hood and found out that the drive belt had broken. And then he said, oh, good news. I have an extra drive belt. So he gets his tools out, gets the drive belt out. We're standing out there freezing. <clears throat> he gets the drive belt on. It wouldn't crank. He said, if you guys, if you eight Americans would just push us, <clears throat> we can jumpstart this Chinese minivan. So we pushed and we pushed and we pushed and it wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. And I didn't realize it at the time, but the Holy Spirit gave me a word of wisdom. He said, Steve, look. I'll go, okay. You're pushing it up an incline. Because we were pushing it toward where we were supposed to be. It was just sl just slight enough to keep the engine from kicking over. And then he said, spin it around and push it the other way. So I said, guys, stop, 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 stop. And so we took that van on that ice. We spun it around and we pushed it. And in 30 seconds, it kicked off and we got home. Now, I was a little, I was really thankful because I'm such a knucklehead American. I didn't know to bring snow boots. I was out there in tennis shoes. The people from Tuva would say, I bet you're an American. You're an idiot, right? And I thought, if, if I have to walk out of here, I may lose toes tonight. That is a word of knowledge. Our problem is we don't listen. We don't realize it's from the Holy Spirit, that prompt, that nudge, that thought, that idea. We think about it instead of listening and doing what the prompt says. Third revelation gift is called the discerning of spirits. This is really going to be helpful. Discerning of spirits means the Holy Spirit reveals the motivations or the source behind a person's words or actions. That's called the discerning of spirits. Whether they come from selfishness, whether they come from anger, human flesh, whether they come from woundedness, whether it's a demonic presence motivating, stirring this person up, or whether it is the voice of the Spirit of God, that is the discerning of spirits. It's a great gift to receive from time to time. Here's a perfect example. Toward the end of Jesus' life, he tells the boys, I'm going to Jerusalem. I will die on a cross. And Peter pulls him aside, good old Peter, in the flesh saying, I want you to stop this right now. No. You know, telling Jesus no is not good. 
You are not going to Jerusalem. You are not going to die. And Jesus rebuked the demonic presence of Satan, saying, Shut up, Satan, and get behind me because your focus is not on the kingdom of God. The gift gives us insights into the dispositions of people. Whether they are good or evil, do not do business with that realtor. Do not hire that contractor, hire this one and their character. If you feel a check in the spirit, you better stop right where you are. Here's three more examples. Jesus recruited Philip to be one of the 12. Philip invited one of his close friends, Nathaniel, and said, I want you to come and meet this man, Jesus, his rabbi. He has words of eternal life. And Philip said something. Are you kidding me? There's nothing that comes out of Nazareth worth anything. That one horse town. Why would anything good come from Nazareth? And when he came up, Jesus said to him, I saw you when you were under a fig tree. Nathaniel said, you couldn't have seen, how did you see me? I was too far away. I saw you in the spirit. And he said, truly you, truly you are who Philip says you are. And he says, if you stay with me, you're going to see greater and greater things. You're going to see the kingdom. You're going to see the ministry of angels. And then Jesus turned and said, this man, Nathaniel, he is a true Israelite in whom there's no nothing false. What you see is what you get. Another example church growing rapidly. People were doing a lot of cool things. One couple, Ananias and Sapphira, Peter heard the Holy Spirit say, these people are deceptive. And he asked Ananias, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And it brought strong judgment and the death of those two people. Now, this gift of the discerning of spirits is valuable. This is something to be treasured. This is something to be uh, cultivated because it protects us. What do you mean? It protects our marriage. Stay away from that woman. It protects our church. It protects our children. It protects if you're in business and the Holy Spirit says, don't hire that person, don't you hire that person. And then here's another example, Acts chapter 16. Paul is preaching in this new place, Philippi, Greece. And this young girl with a familiar spirit. Familiar spirit means it's been in a family for generations. Grandmother had it. Mother had it. And now the daughter has it. And this spirit allowed this girl to have some powers of foretelling the future and events And she followed Paul. She followed the ministry. For five days, this is what she said. Listen to this. 
On the surface, it sounds really cool. These are servants of the Most High God. Listen to them because they proclaim the way of salvation. Hey, maybe maybe one time that's pretty cool. But all day long, for five days, that would kind of mess up a youth group. That'll kind of mess up a service. That'll mess up everything. After five days, the discerning of spirits kicked in and Paul realized it was the spirit. He cast out the spirit and freed the girl. Now, I want you to know, 30% of Jesus' recorded ministry in scripture was against unclean spirits. They have messed with me. And they have messed with you. In Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus said, I give you authority over all unclean spirits. Those things would dirty us, confuse us, twist us, tempt us, and ruin us from the inside. It's not you. It is a spirit trying to mess and hurt you. And last, remember it's discerning of spirits. In 2 Kings, Elisha's servant comes out in the morning and he sees the entire hillside filled with Syrian army. And he goes back in and says, Elisha, we're in trouble, we're in trouble. Elisha says, we're not in trouble. And he says, Lord, open his eyes because there's more with us that are against us. Now let's go to the power gifts. These come to demonstrate God's compassion for people, to liberate them, to heal them, to set them free. The first one is the gift of faith. Everyone say gift of faith. Gift of faith is not ordinary faith. It's when a supernatural level of faith kicks in. I pray a lot. Lord, give me a gift of faith. I want to believe you for the extraordinary. There was a paralyzed man who could not get to Jesus because of the crowds. He had four friends that put him on a litter, took him to where Jesus was. They dug a hole in the roof, and as the hole widened, they lowered this afflicted man down before Jesus. And I love this verse. The scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith. How can you see faith? You see actions caused by faith. Fifth one is our gifts, plural, of healing. which talks about various ways to restore people to health, all guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was 19 years of age, I transferred to Oral Roberts University, and this guy, Oral Roberts, was an amazing man. Not a perfect man, but a man that loved Jesus. He helped bring healing back to the church because the church forgot it. And let me tell you what this man did. He was healed of tuberculosis when he was 18 years of age. He had a death sentence. 
he would have these tent crusades. They went all over the country. Thousands of people would show up. And he did something that people would never do today. He prayed for people one person at a time, maybe 10 or 15 minutes each. And he stayed there for hours with his hands like this, praying for people with passion and force. A lot of people got well. A lot of people didn't get well. But the Lord used this man powerfully. When I was in college there, I once shook his hand. And when he shook my hand, I was so disappointed because his hand, he gave me a very limp hand grip. And I always taught if somebody gives you a limp hand grip, it does it means they're not interested. And so I kind of held that against him in my head for decades. Then I read in a magazine that all those 20, 30 years of praying for people like this, he destroyed the nerves in his wrist. And he was in constant pain because of praying for so many people for so long. Here's another person, Catherine Kuhlman. I went to a crusade she did in Tulsa. I'd been a Christian a year. I sat in the choir so I could watch. I saw the most amazing things happen over a weekend. You're talking about quirky. Some of the Lord's best servants are quirky. This woman wore white robes that had wings. She looked like Batman. She'd come out like this. And she talked like this. I mean, it was, it was wonderfully and spooky at the same time. She never married. But the Lord used her. And some people said, well, she's a woman. A woman shouldn't be speaking in public. Well, nobody else would do this. She did it. She led a lot of people to Jesus. A lot of people got healed. She spoke in chapel when I was there. She was praying for people, and a lot of people would just get slain in the spirit. They would just go down. I was a skeptic, and I was not going to do that. She was praying for about, I don't know, 4,000 people, and I was around the front row because I wanted, I've always wanted more. And so she came, and she came in front. People were dropping like flies, and she came to put her hand on my chin, and I'm going, I ain't going down for nobody, no way, no shape or form unless Jesus does it. I saw her hand go to my chin like this. She never touched me. About 10 minutes later, I woke up under a piano. (laughs) And if God's spirit shows up, again, variety of manifestations, variety of gifts, he can do whatever he wants to do. I want you to be careful. Be careful about being critical of other ministries. Just because it's not your variety, just because you don't enjoy that, it may help other people, okay? And they work for Jesus. They don't work for me anyway, right? So how many in here are quirky to begin with? Hold your hand up if you're quirky. You wouldn't be at this church unless you were really quirky because I'm the king of quirk. So God uses all these means for healing, the anointing of oil. We do that. I anointed people with oil this morning for healing. Prayer of faith heals people. Taking authority heals people. But also a doctor. The Holy Spirit can guide you to a doctor 
do you get help? Some of us can change a nutrition thing and get healthier. And that is the Holy Spirit helping us. They are gifts, plural. Remember, you are not the healer. God is the healer. My job and your job is to pray and then believe and ask for the miracle to come. The affecting of miracles. Has anybody in the room ever had a real miracle? Hold your hand up. You had a real miracle? I've had, had some, a miracle. Big miracle, little miracle. I've had them. I've seen them. I've seen them, but I didn't believe it. I prayed for people, and I didn't think it'd work, and it didn't work. It wasn't me anyway. What is a miracle? That's when, now, there are laws of nature that the Lord put in, right? Your car drives straight because there's laws of of engineering that causes your car to drive straight. When you leave to go to work on Monday, you just don't float in the air. You can actually walk on the earth because there's a law there. But sometimes the Lord will choose to bend the law, amend the law to help people, suspend the law. Like what? Joshua is in a life and death struggle with about five armies trying to wipe out Israel called the Amorites. It's a conglomeration of peoples trying to destroy the Jews. It looks like Israel is winning. But Joshua prays the craziest prayer ever, and he had enough faith to do it. The gift of faith must have been there. He said, oh Lord, would you cause the sun to stop so we can finish this battle and win and defeat your enemy? And the sun stopped. Do you believe it? Absolutely. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses was told to raise his staff over the Red Sea and it would divide. It happened. Do you believe it? Absolutely. John chapter 2. I've been to the place where this happened. There's a wedding. Jesus is there celebrating friends and family. They run out of wine. His mom comes and says, "Uh, son, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, We need a little help here. Mom, it's not my time. Son, we need a little help here. You know what? Your mom can get you to do a lot of stuff. And he takes the ordinary And turns it into extraordinary. That's what he does. And I would suggest every time you have a party, invite Jesus to your party. Don't have a party without Jesus. Acts chapter 20. Paul is in this third story room. There are a lot of candles it's hot up there, not a lot of venison, what is that, venison? What is that? Ventilation, that one. Or venison either, neither one of them. And Paul's my model for preaching. The scripture says Paul went on and on. <laughs> I hurt myself. And 
Eutychus is sitting on a windowsill. And he starts slumping, slumping, slumping until he disappears and they hear a thump, a loud thump down in the courtyard and they go down and Eutychus is dead. He is dead. Paul falls on him, prays for him and says, don't fear the boy. His life is back. You know what that is? That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Worship team, would you guys come on out? <clears throat> In Uganda, a bunch of rebels broke into a pastor's home demanding money, and they had guns. And the lead guy told the pastor, give me all your money. So the pastor, I mean, his wife and his kids are terrified, and the lead pastor got up to a little box and got the few pieces of money he had and gave them to the lead guy and the lead guy threw him back in the chair and said, you're lying. Where's your money? I want all of it. And the pastor said, sir, I don't, we don't have any more money. That's all we've got. So he put a gun to his head, cocked the trigger and said, if you don't tell me where the rest of the money is, I'm going to blow your brains out right here. And the pastor said, sir, I don't have any more money. That's all we got. So the young rebel pulled the trigger and the gun went click and didn't fire. Pause. He pulled the trigger back again. Fired again, click, didn't fire. He cocked it again, fired a third time. Weapon didn't go off. And he turned to the pastor and said, uh, excuse me, uh, who are you anyway? I'm just curious, who are you? Well, I'm a follower of the living God, Jesus Christ. Those guys ran out terrified. You know what that is? That's a miracle. I had somebody in the first service tell me that happened to his sister. Gun to her face. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Click, gun didn't fire. Another example, Buddhist man. <clears throat> Has a Christian friend. A Christian friend invites a Buddhist man to his church. <clears throat> He goes to church against his will. He sits through about 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, a Buddhist man says, I don't believe any of this garbage. Uh, I'm done. I'm tired of listening. And so the Buddhist man, he stands up to leave. And as he turns right, he puts his left hand on the pew. The problem is, his hand stuck to the pew. And he goes. So he's standing in this Christian church, kind of going, and he can't get his hand off the wooden pew. He doesn't know what to do. So he keeps, you know, he puts the other hand underneath it, and he keeps pulling, 
and people are beginning to watch him. And then finally he gave this extra big tug. And all of a sudden his hand was released. And then he fell backward into the pew and struck his head on the back of the pew. And then he's got another problem. His head stuck to the pew. So he's got his hand loose, but now he's got his head stuck to the pew and he can't get his head off the pew and he's he's mortified and he doesn't know what to do and people are watching him. So he pulled and pulled and pulled and finally with some mammoth effort, he jerked his head off of the pew. But when he did that, because he used so much strength to do it, his right knee flew up and hit him in the nose and knocked him backward into the pew and his head stuck again. And so he's just totally perturbed and he doesn't know what to do and he's got to get out of this place and he gets wants to get away from his people and he's not interested in his God. And so he just rises and twists and finally with a mammoth twist, He propels himself out of the pew and catapults himself, but he lines up, he winds up in the aisle on the floor. Now his entire body is stuck to the floor. He cannot move anything and he's laying in the floor in this place he does not want to be. And as heaven has his attention, He has a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ while he's laying on his back in his place he doesn't want to be. And just like the apostle Paul surrendered on his back, this man gave his heart to Christ and became a strong follower of Jesus. You know what that's called? That's called a miracle. And my rebirth was a miracle. Yours was a miracle. That's what he does. Now, this is a very important verse. Some of you have never seen this. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, that's a brand new pastor in a really hard place. And he says this, if you're going to survive this hard work, You have to stir up the gift of God within you. And he said, if you remember, it came, the gift came because we laid hands on you and prayed for the gift. You got to stir up. I want to say, when people of faith lay their hands on you, it can be life changing. Because heaven sees your heart is open. It's not about the people that's praying for you. It's about the fact that your heart is open and you're in need. My life has been changed because people of faith have laid their hands on me and prayed for me and I received grace. The first time it ever happened, the guy on the right is my spiritual father. He was a baseball coach, all-state linebacker. He's a Christian counselor today in Georgia. 
But Jerry mentored me for a year and a half after my conversion. Without Jerry, I would have gone back into the world. Oh, Jerry, I looked him, I found him this past summer. I drove and we met. We had a three-hour lunch. I just said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you've done for me. Because I would have never made it without you. So when we split up after a year and a half, he went to University of Georgia to get a PhD in counseling. I went to Oral Roberts University to get a communications degree. We split up. It was heartbreaking to me because I was thinking, man, how am I going to make it without Jerry? But he put his hands on me, prayed big prayers for me. One of them is the woman I married 42 years ago. But another one of them was he put his hands on me, put his hands on my head, and he said, Lord, I pray Steve would never be down for more than half a day. And for 48 years, that's been pretty much the case. There was a grace transferred because of prayer lifted toward heaven. So we're going we're gonna to transition. The most important time is coming up. I'm going to ask people on the altar team and a lot of you around. So if you're on altar team, stand up, come on down. Stand up, come on down. <clears throat> stand up, come on down. Just stand across the front here. <clears throat> stand up, come on down. Just spread out across the front. Just spread out across the front. Find a place. Find a place. So they're going to pray a couple of things. And we had a ton of people at the first service come forward for prayer. Now, I am not going to pray for anybody on purpose, I think. I'm going to come down and I'm going to get prayer. Do you know why I'm going to get prayer? I want more. I want more. So here's what they're going to pray for. One, that you be filled to overflowing with God's Spirit. We need more, not less. We need more every day of our life. Number two, we're going to pray that His gifts be released in us. There's gifts awaiting you. You have to ask for them. We, we don't even know what they are. He knows. And he will release gifts in your life. And in the coming weeks, months, years, you will start to see some of these gifts come to the front. And last, they're going to ask the Holy Spirit to use you. Open doors for you. Use you with people that you didn't even notice before who are waiting on you. And that's going to happen because they're going to pray in faith. And some of you may receive a prayer language today. I've had one for 45 years. It's a huge blessing to my prayer life. And we're going to do this by faith. It's not about experience. We, If you ask, Jesus said, you will receive. So I want to pray. And as the worship team leads us in worship, you find somebody to come and let them Hold your hand. Let them pray for you. Don't be shy. And uh, if there's if they're backed up, just patiently wait in line. We got time. We'll pray for you.
So Lord Jesus, we honor you today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. He's the helper, the comforter. He's the teacher. He's the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that gives us power. He's the one that brings conviction. So Holy Spirit, come. Come and do huge life change as you fill your people to greater depths than ever before. In Jesus' name. So please come. Come and get prayer today. Let the Lord help you. Let him take you to another level. Please come. Whatever you want to, Lord, now 
shy about asking for more you got a need you got a burden get someone to pray for you let the lord help you today 
Let the Lord help you today. Let him help you today. Let him bring healing today. Let him bring fullness today. Ask and you shall receive. Ask. Keep asking. joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope that you were encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. And we hope to see you next week.